Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Brothers and sisters in Christ, peace be upon you. Please pray with me. O good and gracious God, in this moment, in this time, and in this place, when our world seems to be in darkness, your Son came into this space, a light that shines in that darkness and overcomes that darkness. O God, I humbly ask that the words I speak, the hearts and minds of those who hear and see these words, that darkness might go away. I humbly ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. A reading from Luke chapter 24 verses 13 through 35. Now let us attend to God's wisdom for us today. Now that same day two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What things are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed and before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place, and in addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, 
but did not find his body, they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, be, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Then he was at table with them. He took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together, saying, It is true, the Lord has risen. He has appeared to Simon. Then the told, told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This ends this reading of this holy word. May it be good news to us. This is not the first time I have ever preached a sermon on this text. I doubt it will be my last. First time I preached this sermon was when I was preaching in the church that had raised me. As I addressed the people that day, I gave thanks for that they had nurtured my faith. It was a really proud day, but at the same moment, it was a day filled with pain. For in me traveling from Virginia, where I lived, to North Carolina, where the church was, I passed through the area that was where Virginia Tech happened. And recently before that, there was a shooting. One of the members of our congregation was on ground when that shooting took place. It 
this passage after these events has come to comfort me. And I hope that it will come to comfort you in your hour of trial. I lean on this text in these times when I do not know what is right and wrong, when I cannot see the good that God is about to do, when I'm pissed off with God. This past week, the incidents that have caused a righteous anger the loss of Dante Wright's life, the mishandling of a firearm in the mid of time when we do not need more police violence, the week before the jury goes to decide the fate of Derek Chauvin. Some days I wake up and I scream bloody murder to God. I feel God can take my anger because God's love for me is so much greater than that. God will give me space. As a person who knows a cop, what a cop's family's life is, I know the pain. I know the struggle and the fear. I know what it's like. That, and I know the suffering that that profession caused, the moral injury. I know the spiritual, psychological, and biological wounds that that profession has and causes on people who serve. And we who are on the outside don't often realize that. As we think we are lifting them up and honoring them by telling them they're the tough guys or they're here to protect us. Yet what we are only doing is denying them their own pain. And that doesn't help them heal. At the same point, I want to understand, and I struggle to comprehend the pain which I will never understand of racism, classism, the fear that I am doing something while the wrong color. In the midst of this pain and this struggle, this story gives me hope. In the midst of my grievance to God, this story gives me a vision of where to go.
what would it be like to encounter Christ in this moment? What would it be like to become a part of that story? For me, that story starts in Minneapolis with these two would-be disciples who were traveling away, trying to make sense of the news of the day. The inconceivable nature of the news that they have experienced. A news all too common in our day. Where our hopes and dreams are hung out to dry, just like some strange fruit hanging from the tree. When our dreams of visions of a city on a hill, a beacon to all the nations, is clouded with hate, anger, grief, Racism, sexism, ableism, and all those isms break at us. These would-be disciples are trying to make sense of what is incomprehensible. And here comes God. They don't realize it's God. And he asked them a simple question. What are you talking about? I can feel the indignity of it. Excuse me? Are you the only person to the Twin Cities? Have you not heard about the trials? Have you not seen it on Facebook or Twitter? How do we make sense of it? We just can't. It's in that moment when our existence comes into question. The moment when we have to speak the hard truth of a pain that we would rather just close away and hide in some closet in our hearts or minds. Without easy answer, to see the pain and hurt, the brokenness of the experience, to feel hopeless at all. Yet here's the funny thing. When we go and read the text of what the story of those disciples is telling, that story of the empty tomb, we as Christians understand that story in a very different way. It is not one of grief or hopelessness. It is not one of brokenness in and of itself. It is a proclamation of the good news. Something that we're clinging to in this moment to make sense of the injustice of our moment. 
And that gives me hope. That is the very same story that we as Christians hold on to and claim as the good news that we claim in this moment when the news is not good. When we are broken and hurting, we look to the resurrected Christ. What does Jesus do in this moment? Jesus starts a conversation. He strives to have them come to understand what Scripture and the news of their day meant. And bridging those two gaps, he builds a relationship with them. It is easy to look at the news of our day and to think these are new problems. But this text says something different. It can speak to the same evil that we know today. And in that way, this gives me hope. It gives me a vision of a better future embodied in a forgiving and reconciling love that is beyond my understanding. The profound thing is, is not so much that the interpretation built any great insight, I would argue, but that it built a relationship with Christ, with these two would-be disciples. Have you ever had that moment in your life when you sit at either a table to eat or you strike up a conversation with a stranger and what you swear was only like five minutes of conversation when you look to the clock it says it was a lot longer? That type of conversation is what these disciples were having with Jesus. These profound moments, I argue, are those thin places, to use a Celtic vocabulary, the moment when the divine peers into our human constraints. These are the moments when the Holy Spirit is felt. I give thanks and I live into those moments in my ministry. So what did the disciples do as they walk along? They say, hey, look, we're having a great conversation. Why don't you have dinner with us? Come, sit, eat. It's a simple command. It's a simple offer. But it is so much richer. 
Because in sitting and eating with one another, what are we doing? We're having a meal. But I would argue there's something much deeper and richer than that. We are building community. You know, ask any elementary kid, why do they sit with who they sit in the lunchroom? They'll tell you it's because they, these are my friends. This is why it is so important for kids to have that feeling of there is someone I can sit with. These are why dinners are so important. When we imagine of a world that is greater than us, when we sit down and iron out the deals that help us live into that world. This is a miraculous thing. At first, Jesus says no. But they insist, please stay with us. Be our guest. So he sits with them. When he's at table, he takes the bread, he blesses it, and breaks it. And they recognize him for who he is. This is the profound, another profound insight that comes from this text. That we don't sense God's presence in the moment. They didn't experience it when they encountered Christ at first, or when they were in the conversation. But it is in the breaking of the bread that they come to see him, and he is gone. It is in the reflection of that, that he is, that they come to see who he is. Were our hearts not burning within us? And he was opening scriptures to us. What they do, what do they do? That very hour. They get up and go return to Jerusalem to those who are hiding. They go back to those who are still fearful. They go back to those who are broken, who don't understand. And they say, look, Jesus is risen. He's appeared to us. He has been known in the breaking of the bread and this is a profound thing. When they do that, what are they doing? They're telling the story all over again. And they're beginning the process of the encounter all over again. Of encountering God in the moment. Coming to understand what that encounter is. And living into that encounter in the community. They tell a story, this path of telling a story, bringing the story into conversation with scripture, to bringing relationship out of the good, out of the good news, 
to finding a claim of hope, of living into that hope and community. For me, that is the foundation of a living faith. I know these days are terrible. Don't get me wrong. I will be glad when these days are in the history book. But I also understand something that is so deep and so rich. That our faith can help us in these days. Our faith can reach out to those who've come before and for reach out to those who are yet to come. Where we can reach out beyond our fears, our anger, our resentment, our own pain. And we can claim something better, not demanding of the other to become like us, but demanding that we both come together to seek a higher calling of something more, of something beyond our own fears and anger and resentment that doesn't rule the day. You know, to be honest with you, I don't know what that's going to look like if we truly embody this. I've only begun to sketch out what that community might be. But it is my hope and my earnest prayer that we might find it together. Realizing that God will show up in this conversation when we least expect it. That we can grow to understand that encounter with Christ. And we can live into the hope that it gives for us. That we can build a community around that story. To help others take immediate actions to encounter Christ in their life. And to live into this beloved community. May it be so for us. Amen. 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 We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L.org. May God be with you in the coming week.